Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter one called The Problem of Evil. I know you're all you're all intelligent people, and, and you don't want pie-in-the-sky answers. You don't want to just say, well, I'm, I'm going to believe the Bible despite the facts. But, but look, the truth of the matter is the Bible doesn't hide the problem of evil. It tells us the source of evil. It tells us why we have the problems we have. And we are in a fallen world. And I could go on and on about you know, pediatric uh, cancer Patients, and I could talk to you about you know inexplicable school shootings and little kids that were shot in a kindergarten class around Christmas time just a few years back, and so many stories. You all have your personal stories of family members that even now are going through inexplicable suffering. And the why question does hang over this world and over our lives. And some atheists have just decided that. What their answer is going to be is that the universe is just a random, pitiless place, and all that happens is based upon DNA, and whether you got good genes or good luck or whatever they call it, and some people get lucky, and other people get sick and die, and it's just the roll of the dice of a random universe who could care less about whether you're here or not. That's their answer. And if that is the answer... And I'm going to say to you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I don't blame people, and I'm being quite candid with you, who go and try to medicate themselves and escape reality, because if that's reality, if that's all we got, then I would say maybe that's the best option. But that's not all we got. Because our Savior entered into time and space He entered into our pain. And that's why I want you to see that this series is called The Problem of Evil, The Power of the Gospel. Because so many people who have come to the end of their lives or to losing a loved one or myriads of issues and many stories that you could think of right now have found their hope in Christ and a hope that is beyond just this world, a hope that moves us into eternity. And if you're not a Christian tonight, I would tell you to come with an open heart and mind because you may find that Job is going to ask some questions that you've been asking. And he's going to say some things that you've been saying. And, you know, for for many of us, Job's words have been in our mouth before in one way or the other. And though Job is a righteous and godly man, he's going to say some things that we can all relate to. And so that's what's ahead of us. Uh, a couple of uh, verses that, to give you hope. Job 14.14. 14. A little bit of introduction here. Pastor Michael is going to try to make it to verse 12. And all God's people said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Here we go. Job 14.14. 14. Job asked this question. If a man dies, 14.14, 14, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait, Job says, until my change comes. And then in Job 19, Job 19, 19, just to give you a little bit of hope right out of the gate about the power of the gospel, we've talked about the 
problem of evil. Here's what Job says in Job 19.19. He says, all my intimate friends, those I, I love have turned against me. Am I in the right place? Okay, good. I'm nothing but skin and bones. I'm reading from the NIV. I have escaped with only the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me. My friends have pity for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in a rock forever. And then he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. I think that section, if you go to chapter 1, is a good uh, balance of both. Job's like, why? why do you guys keep beating me up? Why are you such poor comforters? And then he turns almost like the psalmist does in many of the psalms and says, man, but even though this is my reality right now, I am putting my hope in God. And my prayer for you and for me is that that's where we'll land at the end of each time we close the Bible on a Wednesday night. And I pray that you'll keep coming, is that we'll land in, I know that my Redeemer lives, even though I don't understand everything. Now, there was a man, Job 1.1, in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man, Job 1.1, was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Now, this story starts like a lot of stories. There was a man. His, his name is Job. He is from the land of Uz, or Uz. I think it's Uz. Most commentators, if you've read anything on the book of Job, believe that this land is around the area of Edom. Edom is to the east of Israel. So Job is not in Israel or maybe even from Israel. He may not be a Hebrew. He might not come from those roots. He may be of Edomite stock or from the line of Esau to the east of the river. And we'll see in a moment that he was the greatest of the men of the east. His name is Job. The date of the book of Job is a question mark as well. Some of you have heard that Job perhaps is one of the oldest books of the Bible. The question that people ask is, why would that be? Well, there's a couple of indicators. Number one is that Job is offering sacrifice for his family, doing something that a priest would only do. And if the law had been uh, given, if Sinai had already happened and the uh, deliverance from Egypt for the people of Israel, and Job had the, the law, he wouldn't have been acting in the place of a priest. So they think that's maybe why it's very early. And some believe that Job is maybe a contemporary of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now that's conjecture of scholars. Here's another reason. All the way at the end of the book in Job 42, and we'll get there. After Job's been through all of his stuff, he lives another 140 years and sees four generations of children and grandchildren. So scholars say, in light of that, the long lifespan of Job, which seems to be fitting with the first part of the Bible until lifespans begin to shrink lower and lower. Since Job lives 140 years after God re restores everything back to him and stuff, he's probably of that people group that live very early in creation. 
And that's a couple of reasons, plus the style of writing and some of the um, mentions of tools and warfare and, and the like. Some say definitely puts this book uh, around the time of Solomon or before. And so you're talking about, you know, Solomon and David right around, what, a thousand and a little bit going towards the A.D. mark. And so that, those are some of the reasons why this book is seen as an older book. And so is it one of the oldest books in the Bible? I don't know for sure, but, but I think there's a good case to be made that it's an old book. The book is largely about Job. He is at the center of the book uh, throughout. He is a man named Job. He is blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. That description is from the author, also of whom we don't know who the author of the book of Job is. All we have is uh, speculation, and uh, I can tell you that the speculation includes people like Moses, uh, Elihu, um, oh, it's not right before we, let's see if I have, oh, Solomon, and some have even argued for Moses being the author of the book of Job. So, again, speculation, we don't know for sure. One thing that we do know is that if you've heard about the book, if you've read any of the book, you know Job is going to go through an awful time of suffering. And the prosperity gospel would say, well, the reason that Job suffers is because what? Well, he's doing stuff wrong, or he doesn't have enough faith. And right out of the gate, the writer wants you to know that Job is blameless, upright. He fears God, and the language indicates he's constantly repenting or turning away from evil. In fact, uh, Job 1.1 is, is the picture, the epitome of a man in Proverbs who's a wise man. A man who, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. A wise man will be blameless and upright. He will fear God and turn away from evil. He will avoid evil. And so Job is a righteous man. He's morally and ethically upright. The righteousness of Job, if you want just a simple way to highlight this, is right out of the gate. And so this should forever debunk the false nation, false notion that Job did something to deserve this. I've actually heard some teachers not do more than imply that Job must have done something wrong. That's why all this terrible suffering happened to him. Because it does not fit in their theological persuasion that someone could suffer and still be righteous. Now, who is a great example of someone suffering and was righteous? God's son. In fact, he suffered because of righteousness. And please hear what I'm about to say. Some people in the world will suffer simply for doing the right thing. You, we have Christians all over the world who will not back down from their testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, and they will suffer even to the point of martyrdom for righteousness' sake. So do not be duped by people who try to convince you that Job had to do something wrong. No, the writer wants you to see, man, this guy is an upright guy. In fact, he is compared with two other men in our Bible, and that is Noah and Daniel. Genesis 6-9 says these are the records of the generations of Noah. 
Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Genesis 6-9 says, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. That's Genesis 6, and this is Daniel 6. They couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel, no ground of accusation, no evidence of corruption, inasmuch as Daniel was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Genesis 6-9, Daniel 6-4, laud or applaud Noah and Daniel for their righteousness. Now, I want to show you something that Ezekiel says. Let's turn over to the book of Ezekiel about these three men. So this will, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel 14, just to firm up or buttress the point that Job was a righteous man, he's compared to these two men in Ezekiel 14. We're going to begin at verse 12. Ezekiel 14, 12. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, If a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, Ezekiel 14, 13, and I stretch out my hand against it, destroy its supply of bread, send send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. If I were to cause wild beasts, 15, to pass through the land, And they depopulated it, and it became desolate so that no one would pass through it because of the beasts. Though these three men were in its midst, as I live, and that's Noah, Daniel, and Job, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the country would be desolate. Or if I should bring a sword on that country and say, let the sword pass through the country and cut off man and beast from it, 18. Even though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I should send a plague against that country 
and pour out my wrath in blood on it, to cut off man and beast from it. Even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst as I lived, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. Would you mark that? You can see how outstanding the righteousness of Job is compared to Noah and Daniel, both lauded for their blamelessness and righteousness before God, back to the book of Job. So here's what we do know. Job was a righteous man, blameless, uh, upright in his generation. The suffering did not come to him because he was doing something wrong. He was an upright man, fearing God, departing from evil. This is the definition of a righteous man in Job 28, 28. A few words to explain. Blameless is the Hebrew word tom. It means to be complete, sound, and wholesome. It doesn't mean to be sinless, but it speaks of a man who is living a wholesome life, a complete and sound life. Job was a blameless man, and he was a blessed man, as we'll see in verses 2 and 3. He's also described as upright, which is the Hebrew word yashar. It literally means to be straight, level, right, correct. Job was no double-crosser. He dealt straight with everybody that he had interactions with, yashar. He was blameless, and he was upright. Job was a blameless man, and he was a blessed man. Verse 2, Job 1, he had seven, the biblical number of completeness, sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions were Job's, also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. You ever ridden a camel before? Camels are some ugly beast creatures, man. Woo-wee! They spit and they smell. And we were in Israel and some of our people got up on the camel. And some of the people that got up on the camel, I couldn't believe they were on the camel, but they did it. It was awesome. 500 yoke of oxen. He had 500 female donkeys, very many servants, a full staff. And that man, Job, was the greatest of all the men of the East, verse 3. Whenever you, the Bible's talking about lands, it's going from Israel out. So the lands to the east of Israel are going towards Jordan, modern-day Jordan, east of the Jordan River. That's why scholars would say, again, we're talking about um, the area of Edom or ancient Edom or modern-day Jordan. A blessed and successful man, right? He's got many children. He's got his quiver filled with kids. In an agrarian pastoral culture, the more sons you had, the more blessed you were thought to be because your sons could work the field. Your sons could do the work. They could labor. They could raise the sheep. They could uh, you know, uh, pay attention to the crops and bring in the harvest and all of that stuff. So if you had seven sons, someone might say to you, man, you're, it's a full life. The number seven, you have seven boys. Not to leave out the three daughters. Three daughters are an awesome blessing too. I have three boys. I, I did not have a daughter. So I have, I have a, daughter in my, a daughter-in-law in my life. And I have a, a girl dog that seems to like me. So I'm hoping when grandchildren come, there will be a girl in there, but there's no pressure, all right? Sorry, sorry I even looked at you. I'm sorry. Anyway, Job had a huge staff. He had a big, great family. He was enterprising, successful, the greatest of the men of the East. 
Wow, what a description. What a life. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house, verse 4, of each one on his day, maybe on each of their birthdays. And they would send and invite their three sisters, no mention of husbands, so the sisters appear to be younger, to eat and drink with them. Now, when you have seven sons, birthdays come up quite often. So it may be their birthdays, or it could have been uh, some sort of celebration with festival or harvest time. And each time, they had regular celebrations, and they would all get together. How many of you come from a big family? Okay, I come from a big Italian uh, family, and when I was growing up, we, we would meet at aunts and uncles' house, and we would have this long table. And how many of you got stuck sitting at the little kid's table when you were growing up? You still can't get over it. Some of you are still in counseling over it. And it, it's, <laughs> I'm at the little, little kid's table. Now, how many of you today prefer the little kid's table over the grown-up table? Can I get a witness? The little kids are fun. The grown-ups are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this hurts, and this hurts over there. You ever had one of the pains right there in your elbow? And you're like, man, I'm going to go sit with the kids. Do you know I heard a statistic that kids laugh 200 to 400 times a day and that adults laugh 12 to 20 times a day? <laughs> Oh, I just was. You know, I just thought maybe we just try to laugh right there. But okay, it's true that little kids laugh over silly things. And have you ever had one of those moments where you just have a laugh attack and you don't even know why you're laughing, and then you start to cry because you're laughing so much? And and I've watched some Christian comedians and. I just laughed the whole time, and I've laughed to the point of tears. And, and I remember one Christian comedian looking out, and he said, some of you, you've laughed so much, you haven't laughed this much in years. And all you can say to yourself is, man, I needed that. It's okay to laugh. Laughter is good medicine. A joyful heart's good medicine. That's why even in the book of Job, we're going to try to laugh a little bit. It's going to be hard at times. You've been listening to The Problem of Evil, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael's teaching in Job, Chapter 1. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, how are you doing? Are you in need of some counsel or advice? If you simply need prayer or to be heard, please give us a call. We have pastors at the church that are ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays. Call 844 844- 48 Truth during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes people read something like the book of Job and they say, well, is this just like a fictional story about you know, how to deal with life when things go south? No, it's not. You know, the Bible says that Job was a real man. He was one of the, he was the greatest man of the East. He was, uh, he was great in the eyes of God. And the book of Job reveals an amazing story about a man who loved God, who was righteous, blameless, innocent. In that sense, I'll put quotes around innocent because nobody's perfect, but he was a good, solid man who loved God. And all of a sudden, his world fell apart. And he was a real guy. And I think that gives me a lot of hope because real people like you and me suffer. And while we don't want to focus on suffering, we can't avoid it. It happens. We've had this last year has been, you know, really an amazing amount of fear and suffering in the world. But even without COVID, the world suffers because of a curse that 
happened through our first parents and the fall and all of that. And the book of Job is, even though it's um, heavy, it's also hopeful. And I pray that you'll stay tuned in so that you can see what the Lord is showing you and me through this incredible book. I'd like you to download the Living Truth app in your app store. You can learn about the men's breakfast that's happening this Saturday. The first Saturday of each month, we start at 8 a.m. We had over 80 guys uh, last time we held this, it was an amazing uh, to hear the guys singing. We cook a breakfast up for you. We uh, have worship and we get into the Word of God. And then we break into small groups so you can connect with other men. Hey, if you'd like to come, you're a radio listener. You have a the first Saturday of the month. You can get out here before your honeydew list. <laughs> We'd love for you to come. You might say, how do I get there, Pastor Michael? Well, download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. In your app store, it's a red logo with the pillars. It's free. And you can get driving directions. You can find out much more about the church, catch up on previous messages, videos, uh, so much more. And that's 8 a.m., that men's breakfast, 8 a.m. at Living Truth, the first Saturday of March. And uh, come on out. We'd love to have you there and meet you and have you uh, just be encouraged by the fellowship with other men. God bless you. And Lord willing, we'll see you here tomorrow. And just one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations, so praise God. If you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's message in Job 1, talking about the problem of evil. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.